very warm welcome to our podcast, Pathways to Germany. My name is Brian Schreinerman. I am the director of the DAAD Information Center in Malaysia. And with me, like last week, is our senior consultant, Itzad Idros. It's how are you today? I'm doing very well, Brian. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Sudamakan. Um, Sudamakan, yes, yes. And um, actually, <laughs> I was in charge today to uh, to prepare the food, which my wife told me um, uh, very unprepared suddenly. Um, usually, uh, she's uh, preparing the lunch, and uh, today she said, well, today's your turn. And uh, I surprised uh, my family, actually, with a lovely steak and uh, some Ooh. broccoli along with it. So oh, that Sudamakan. sounds good. Mm, it is. Mm. So le let me just um, introduce us uh, to our distinguished uh, um, listeners. Um, it's you are an um, alumnus from the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg, where you studied uh, process and environmental engineering. Maybe later in a, in a further episode, you can also explain us what process and environmental engineering is all about. Um, and um, we are both here in Malaysia to represent uh, the DAAD. Um, could you uh, wrap uh, up for our um, uh, listeners uh, what the DAAD is? All right. So the DAAD, if you say it in German, it's the Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst. Uh, but if you were to do a uh, translation into English, it sounds a lot easier. It's the German Academic Exchange Service. Mm, so, okay, okay. Yes. And what, what do we do uh, worldwide? Uh, our job is actually to promote German education and research. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're looking for a place to stay or a place to study and do your research, then we're the guys and uh, girls that will help you and guide you to study and research in Germany. That's correct. Exactly. And um, in, addition, in addition to what you just said, the, the DAD is uh, the biggest funding organization worldwide for um, academic collaboration and uh, mobility with an annual budget of uh, almost 600 million euros. And with this, uh, we try um, to achieve various uh, things. But the most important thing is actually bringing um, um, uh, students and researchers around the world together, helping uh, German students and researchers researchers uh, going abroad, as well as international students and researchers to um, go to Germany and experience also the German study and research um, landscape firsthand. And with this, uh, to build bridges among the cultures and uh, to have a better understanding in this world. Um, Very it's, true. What do you think? Why should people listen to us? Why should people listen to this? Uh, well, I think between you and me, we actually have quite a lot of experience. Uh, I've had about 10 years living, studying and working in Germany. Mm -hmm. And you also have quite a lot of experience living here in Malaysia. So our intercultural competence must be very high, or at least I hope so. Oh, you're bragging quite a lot now. Hopefully we can <laughs> we can fulfill your both uh, full statements. Let's see about this. But I think yeah, you're uh, right in, in, in certain aspects uh, of what you just said. Um, and uh, what we uh, like to provide with our podcast is actually to um, get uh, our listeners uh, um, uh, to have a better understanding of uh, what it means uh, to live in Germany. And therefore, um, it's like you're perfect for, for this podcast due to your personal experience that you uh, made in uh, um, living in Germany and studying there. Um, and so uh, what we're going to do is um, we'll kick off, uh, kick off our um, podcast uh, with uh, your personal experience uh, while uh, living in Germany. And then I can also chip in a little bit of my experience living here in uh, Malaysia. And um, our uh, topic uh, for today is going to be uh, the second part of uh, what are good reasons uh, to study in Germany. 
Um, before we then uh, come to Fun Facts Germany, where we challenge each other to um, see what we know about Germany. Okay, good. So, um, without further ado, um, what I wanted to ask you today, um, it's night is um, uh, your personal experience, which don'ts, which taboos did you learn in Germany? Maybe the hard way because you haven't been aware of it and all of a sudden you've been in this awkward moment where all of a sudden you understood, my goodness, I just made a horrible mistake here. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, okay, well, uh, let's see. One of the first things I learned the hard way, I got scolded by a grandmother one time. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was when I had uh, moved in with my ex-wife, who is a German. And we were staying in the, the Black Forest region. And of course, the Black Forest region, I think, Brian, you should know this. It's, it's a very peaceful, quiet area. Mm -hmm. And they had the place where you can actually throw away all of the old glass bottles. Mm-hmm. So I made the mistake thinking, well, you know what? It's Sunday. I have nothing else to do today. Why don't I take these bottles and just throw them away inside that container? And while I was throwing it away, this uh, elderly woman came walking by with a dog. And she looked at me and she got very angry with me and started yelling at me in German, saying that this is not something you should do on a Sunday. And she was absolutely right with it. I think two takeaways from, from, from this story, actually. Um, the one is, um, if you do a mistake in Germany, uh, Germans will tell you straight away. There is no, um, uh, there is no <laughs> consideration of you losing your face. Nobody cares in Germany about losing uh, face. Um, we are very much concerned about, actually, there's a mistake and I need to point it out so this mistake doesn't happen a second time. I think that that was... Uh, also her motivation to uh, to um, tell you off. And uh, the second thing is, yes, there, there are the rules. Um, um, and the rule that applied here was um, respecting the silent Sunday. I suppose yes. you, you haven't been familiar with this uh, before. No, that was, uh, that was the first time I had seen it, actually. I mean, before that, when I was a student, you know, you stay in the dormitories and uh, they had one communal place where you can throw away everything and students generally don't care if it's Sunday or Saturday or whatever day it is. But in that region with the elderly people around there, they got really angry with me. <laughs> and I learned the hard way, yeah. You can only throw it uh, glass bottles during a specific time and mm. also on specific days. Mm -hmm. And they also split the bottles uh, amongst the colors. So if you have brown bottles, they go into the brown uh, disposal. If you have the green bottles, they go in the green one. If you have the clear ones, they go in the clear one. <laughs> I, I always like to, to tell also my students in preparation for, for them going abroad to Germany is um, recycling in Germany um, requires a lot of intellect actually you almost need to have a <laughs> diploma for it to, to understand where what kind of rubbish uh, has to go right and the same also uh, for uh, recycling uh, bottles according to their color codes right Yes, very true. Oh, okay. And um, how, um, how did you experience it when, when you brought out the trash for the first time? Uh, have you been prepared? Did uh, your uh, fellow students uh, tell you anything about this, how this is done? Uh, no, they didn't actually. Uh -huh. um, I know that we have the normal trash, mm -hmm. uh, which goes out in uh, any black bag that you have. Mm -hmm. And then there's also something called the yellow sack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the yellow sack is meant to be also for uh, recyclable, uh, recyclable items. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I remember the first time with the yellow sack, though, that was when my family was living in Germany. And we had a glass perfume bottle mm -hmm. and we threw it inside the yellow sack and then we left it outside. 
mm-hmm. and ours was the only yellow sack that was not picked up in the street. And it leaves you feeling so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and they put a big sticker on there saying, we're not picking this up. <laughs> because the, the trash has been contaminated by, by wrong items in, in, in this bag, yeah? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Actually, I, I haven't heard uh, this kind of, of uh, incident before that uh, the yellow bag was not picked up, but uh, maybe because I was also in an envir- environment where everybody was actually uh, very aware what um, is allowed inside the yellow bag and what is not. But I didn't know that they even go to the extent not to pick it up at all and, and leave a sticker on yes. it. A sticker <laughs> of shame, I'd say, right? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So uh, maybe uh, my my personal experience coming here to Malaysia um, to just to share with you what what uh, my inter- intercultural learning was um, arriving here in two thousand six for the first time was of course uh, around shaking hands. Uh, it is so normal in um, Germany um, uh, to have a, a proper greeting. I think uh, yeah, the last I think in the last episode or the previous one we already spoke about uh, shaking hands and a firm handshake mm-hmm. um, and of course um, uh, this is something that uh, we Germans all grow up with and um, it's it's part of the polite uh, greeting. Um, I think it originates from um, um, showing the person you, uh, you are greeting that you don't have any weapons in your hand. I think that's <laughs> uh, at least the story I heard uh, what the, the handshaking is all about and um, in the beginning, um, I, I was I was cautious, but then in certain situations also not too aware. So I extended my my hand a couple of times in the beginning uh, towards uh, also um, um, uh, women, and learned very fast actually that I just need to be very cautious and and uh, waiting for uh, for them to make the first move in order for me oh, to yes. understand. Yeah. Because you also mentioned the last time, actually, it can can go both ways depending on uh, whether um, this person is has also been studying abroad and adapted a little bit more to the Western culture, or wants to be polite towards Western culture uh, for you coming here for the first time. So exactly. it can go in all directions. So ju- just uh, just wait a couple of uh, extra uh, milliseconds and see in which direction it goes. I think that would be a good. Uh, um, Good advice to handle <laughs> to handle yourself here in, in Malaysia. Good, fantastic. Um, any other um, don'ts you learned the hard way? Any other don'ts? I, um, I think there was also well on the topic of bottles. Uh, mm-hmm. We can actually talk about the German Pfandflaschen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the Pfand is a it's a unique German way I think where they promote you to recycle the plastic bottles, mm-hmm. and for each bottle you get I think it was twenty five cents if I'm yeah, not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah. So what they do is uh, when you take the bottle back to the supermarket, uh, there's a special machine over there and Mm. you put the bottles inside the machine and it'll actually just crunch the machine. And depending on how many bottles you have, it gives you the respective amount of money back. Mm -hmm. So if you're a student and you want to find a way to save money, just maybe about two or three euros to pick up some instant pasta. What we used to do was just save all of the plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the month, you had something like, who knows, maybe about... 30 or 40 plastic bottles and you took them all with you inside your plastic bag and you Mm. took them to the supermarket and you had money. Well, that's fantastic. So basically collecting all your your bottles um, then meant uh, that you could could bring some food on the table. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was usually, you know, it's just the instant stuff where if you come home from clubbing late at night and you just want something quick to eat, it was like the three minute pasta uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that you get from a you know, like a small supermarket like Aldi or Lidl yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. And what was uh, the, the don't or the taboo that you learned there? Or Oh, um, the taboo that I learned there, actually, it it's more of a do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. should uh, save it, save all of your plastic bottles. Okay. It's, yes. it's a life hack, basically, what, what you just yes. shared with us. Okay, okay, that's Very also much. quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so, so it seems like like the Germans also a little bit uh, have a um, strange obsession with bottles, <laughs> which seems to be the way uh, we, we talk about it, but uh, we also have uh, other different uh, obsessions, I'd say. It's, it's not only limited <laughs> to, to bottles. So rubbish in general, but also recycling. Uh, what, um, what kind of sense did you make out of it uh, that um, uh, we have this very strong recycling culture in, in Germany? I think, um, actually, I'm not too sure, but I, I think Germany has always been pushing for... Uh, ways on uh, sustainable uh, development mm, mm. and i think this is one of those things where it also reduces the carbon footprint of every person on mm. earth mm. and germans are very they're very environmentally conscious mm. of all of the things that they do in life even how many hours they drive in the car and it's better to take public transport mm. and it's better to ride your bicycle so these all of these things just go hand in hand mm. and i think uh, kids are taught from a very young age that they have to be sustainable. Mm. Uh, the way that uh, things were promoted before, where it's just try and then you buy and then you throw it away, mm. uh, that's no longer the uh, cultural aspect of Germany. Mm. Yeah, I think now they've really they're really focusing on recycling and uh, the future of uh, of the world. Mm. Yeah, I th- my my assumption is. Um, when you compare Malaysia uh, with uh, Germany, we have roughly around the same ter- territory. If you combine the peninsula of Malaysia with uh, uh, Sarawak and Sabah and um, the whole um, um, uh, territory of, of Germany, it's roughly the same size, but but we are 83 million people. So um, quite a substantial, a bigger number in terms of the population. And uh, we have more cities um, in, in Germany and uh, it's uh, the density of the population is, is much, much bigger and um, I think uh, the Germans immediately see the impact if, if somebody's littering um, then it can be seen uh, uh, everywhere immediately so this is, has become a taboo and uh, we also see um, immediately um, the impact of uh, of any kind of violation of uh, of the um, environment or any um, anything that is done to, to the environment like deforestation or something like this uh, because there's always um, a city or a village uh, nearby that that uh, immediately sees the effect. And um, this, in combination with um, um, a strong love affair with a forest, I think led uh, to uh, to this attitude that we can see nowadays being very um, environmental concerned, actually, uh, in, in oh, Germany. Yes, yes. Mm. Definitely, especially, I mean, if you look at Germany, and I mean, as I stated before, I was in the Black Forest region, and it's very well maintained, and it's super clean, and... When you go hiking in there, you can get a really good deep breath of uh, fresh air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, silence is one thing, Silent Sunday. Um, but also during the week, actually, if you go to the Black Forest, uh, it's always very quiet, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, God, it's and beautiful there. 
and um, uh, yeah, it's also something that I always find quite in, um, irritating when I arrive at the Frankfurt airport coming from Asia. Um, in the beginning, <laughs> I, I think uh, I always think actually I still need to pop my ears. Uh, ears. Something is is uh, quite strange because it's so quiet in in uh, Malaysia in in Germany. And then I realize, oh yes, yes, I return to um, to the um, elderly home, <laughs> so to say, <laughs> because of course in in terms of oh, demographics, uh, Germany is much older. Uh, but in general, yeah, we are uh, very much uh, concerned about uh, a noise, uh, which is also considered to be a pollution in, yes. in Germany. While I think here in, in uh, Malaysia, typical also for Asia, um, noise is is never really uh, um, seen as, as a disturbance, but more maybe as uh, as a way of, of the high dy dynamics of a society. I don't know. It's possible. Um, yeah. I remember the first time that I moved off to the Black Forest, actually, it was difficult for me to fall asleep because there wasn't that background noise <laughs> yes. of cars and motorbikes and yeah yeah speaking of background noise it's it's quite hard to record this podcast without any any uh, noise pollution in uh, um, our microphones and to have a, um, a silent uh, or quiet place actually to to get a good recording and so that's uh, has been quite a challenge in, in uh, previous <laughs> recordings and still is but uh, i think we're coping quite well okay with this Sorry, Brian. How yeah. about you? I mean, here in Malaysia, have you gone hiking anywhere? Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. I love to go to the jungle. I mean, of course, uh, now with the lockdown uh, at the moment, it's not. But uh, whenever we have the the, uh, um, the freedom to, to travel again and uh, do some um, trips, um, I like to uh, visit also um, uh, some waterfalls. Um, and uh, Germans in general, when they come to um, Southeast Asia, they love to go to the jungle. And uh, because this is something outstanding that we don't have in um, in Europe anymore, uh, the last uh, primary forest that we have in in uh, Europe is in Poland, uh, the so-called Mazurs. And mm. um, uh, despite from this, uh, the rest of the forest is actually already cultivated. There's no primary forest left. And here in in Malaysia, uh, you can still find primary rainforest, and uh, it's just amazing actually how how dense the the forest is, and uh, it's. It's a magical place. I love to go there. That's, that's great. I really hope this lockdown ends soon and we can all go off to mm. somewhere close by and just take a dip in a waterfall somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be lovely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. With this, we come to our main topic today. Um, last week, uh, and if you um, haven't heard the, the episode yet, uh, please refer to our um, second episode. Um, we um, um, tried uh, to venture into various reasons why to study um, in um, Germany, and uh, we discussed uh, um, quality and also diversity. So um, uh, we looked into why um, high quality is not a contradiction of um, uh, the lack of tuition fees. You don't, you know already that you don't need to pay tuition fees in Germany, um, but uh, you still can enjoy um, a high level of quality. And you can also enjoy um, uh, quite a huge diversity in terms of universities. We talk about more than 400 universities you will find in Germany, more than 20,000 study courses and uh, around 2,000 study courses offered in English. And uh, today we want to see whether we can find uh, further arguments. And um, one of the, um, uh, I think, unique selling points in uh, of uh, German tertiary education is um, um, the high level of um, uh, practice orientation. Oh, yes. Um, 
So um, um, on the website of study in Germany, it says German universities provide outstanding academic programs while universities of applied sciences offer a wide range of attractive practice-oriented options. A lot of universities collaborate with companies. Many study programs combine theory and practice. So I think this is the right time actually to explain a little bit what a University of Applied Sciences is. Um, it's like you studied at the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg. Uh, when you went there, did you know the difference between universities and University of Applied Sciences? No. <laughs> that was do, actually a shot in the dark. <laughs> do you know by now? I should know this. I advise people on this, yes. <laughs> so please uh, enlighten us. What is a University right. of Applied Sciences? So the University of Applied Sciences, as uh, Brian, uh, you stated before that, it is more practice oriented. Uh, so it actually gives you a lot more hands-on work as compared to the theat uh, theoretical work which is being taught in the traditional or research universities. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Germany started up this whole University of Applied Sciences in order to have universities in the smaller cities as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the big universities all, or the theoretical and research universities, those tend to be found more in the big cities. And the universities of applied sciences, they actually spread all over uh, Germany. Mm, yeah. Um, I can I can add a little bit here. Um, so uh, we already uh, looked into uh, when we talked about uh, fun facts about Germany, about the uh, the age of the universities in Germany, and uh, um, um, discovering that uh, University of Heidelberg was established uh, in the fourteenth hundred uh, in the fourteenth century, so quite old. Um, but the University of Applied Sciences are much younger. They um, emerged along with industrialization, and the concept uh, was um, to uh, to educate uh, young people for the demand of the industry. So they um, emerged along uh, with all the factories um, and manufacturing um, companies um, uh, popping up all over Germany in various regions, and uh, they wanted to have um, um, they needed engineers, a skilled work force which was uh, hands-on they didn't require any um, academics for uh, for their workforce but uh, engineers who could apply themselves uh, meaning yes. not only learning uh, the theory but also uh, immediately applying uh, what they have learned uh, during their studies and um, so, so this is actually uh, the main philosophy of a university of applied sciences exactly, in, in germany yeah. what it's all about um, up to the extent that uh, um, a professor, um, in order to uh, get a professorship in, at the University of Applied Sciences, needs to have at least five years of uh, practical experience in the industry, apart from, of course, his, his PhD and uh, preferably also a number of uh, publications. Uh, but uh, publications and academic strength is not as important as, as having the PhD and also the practical experience. And um, Very true. this uh, practical experience has got two advantages. Uh, the first one is the professors always know what they're talking about because uh, they have been uh, in the field and experiencing it firsthand. And so usually they, they are full of stories when they try to explain you something and they can always link it to uh, some of their personal experiences. And secondly, um, it also means uh, the professors will have um, will um, sustain and uh, remain a very strong tie.
play with the industry, um, which is absolutely useful uh, for the students um, to uh, when they go for internship, the mandatory internship, I have to um, point mm-hmm. out at this point. And also when it comes to um, uh, research projects that uh, small and medium enterprises bring uh, very often to the universe of applied sciences and ask the students to, to work work on this. What yes, was your experience in, in this matter? I think the best one that I had was uh, when I was doing my bachelor's uh, degree mm-hmm. and my professor was actually the one of the most uh, prominent people or researchers in his field. So that was about studying a quick method of analyzing pesticides um, because these pesticides were killing uh, the bees in the world. And of course, without the bees, I think uh, we would all eventually die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was really great working with somebody who was very skilled in that and knowing that my work would actually be affecting directly how the industry would take off after that. Um, I think eventually those uh, quick test results, they're the same type of test results that we use for... Um, like the uh, pregnancy test, for example, mm-hmm. it's a thin layer chromatography mm-hmm. or TLC. And um, these are things where you can see your work and the research that you've done and you can see it being implemented quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was uh, for, for your bachelor thesis. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And um, could you also um, tell a little bit about um, what you experienced uh, when you went for your mandatory internship? Ah, uh, well, my mandatory internship. Uh, for that one, I actually came back home to Malaysia. Ah, okay. Yep, I did my <laughs> internship at, ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Asian thing where my parents okay. called me back home because they missed me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I did my internship at the GMI mm-hmm. and I was in charge of one of the student projects over there. So we oh, were actually uh, building up this uh, reactor that would help produce... Um, I think it was a type of fuel source made mm-hmm. by the uh, palm, what was it the, uh, you know, we have all the palm trees, so mm-hmm. all of the wastage that was from there, we could okay. actually turn that into a fuel source. Oh, I see, I see, yeah. But it gave you a lot of hands-on work, so you learned how the machines worked, you mm-hmm. learned how to scale that up as well. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get that if you go off to a university of, uh, a research university or a, a theoretical university. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So uh, I already mentioned uh, there's a mandatory internship um, that you are required uh, to do and um, it uh, has a duration of um, at least 95 working days. So you're uh, occupied over the comp- uh, entire semester and um, usually um, or in general um, you will be assigned a full project uh, during your internship like you at the GMI and um, you will get a supervisor um, who will uh, guide you um, into the project. But then um, very f- um, soon um, you are required actually to be very self-sufficient um, um, and up to the point actually where you still have a question then you can always refer back to your supervisor. Um, but you're supposed to uh, come up with the results and apply all the knowledge that you accumulated up to this point for your internship, which usually is in your fifth or sixth semester. Um, and uh, um, to then also come up with a result unless it's a bigger project and uh, the company 
company stretches it over uh, two, three, four internships. Or what they also uh, like to do from time to time is um, um, start uh, assign you the project and then um, allow you to then um, elaborate this project into your bachelor thesis. Uh, so that is true. As yeah. a second part. Wonderful. And I think uh, you brought up something there just now about uh, about the way that professors want you to uh, come up with your own answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a very big part about learning in Germany, actually. Mm-hmm. They really want you to learn how to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And I remember my favorite professor, before you went off to him with a question, you better have had your own answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And then you could ask him, am I right or am I wrong? Mm-hmm. And then he would tell you. Uh, but if you went there with with a straight up question, he wouldn't tell you the answer. He'd say, <laughs> what do you think about it? <laughs> ah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think this is also part of, of the critical thinking culture. So you can't uh, expect your professor, uh, also the teachers, uh, they, they do the same at that. Uh, uh, even in, in primary school, I think it's, it even starts in, in kindergarten um, where everybody's actually um, encouraged to, to think first uh, for, uh, you're encouraged to, to think for yourself first and um, make assumptions and then see whether someone who's uh, more senior uh, can give you some advice. But never just come, so what's the answer here that's that's not uh, how it's going to work and uh, um, doesn't show um, basically uh, diligence in in terms of your own critical thinking which is very Very strongly encouraged in Germany fantastic okay um, we can't tap uh, the next um, uh, good reason why to study in Germany we need to postpone it to uh, next week uh, because now it's time for our last segment um, which is fun facts about Germany Did you bring any questions for me? Well, I did actually, Brian. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if it's a question or if it's more of a topic that we can talk about. Mm -hmm. It's one of those weird things which I experienced in Germany. And it has to do with Einladung. Mm -hmm. So an Einladung, uh, if you directly translate it in English, it's just an invitation. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know that it was that if it's your birthday, I think this was the first time I celebrated my birthday in Germany, Mm -hmm. all of your friends expect you to pay for them. Mm-hmm. for the meal I think and that was something very interesting it was very German because I think almost everywhere else if you are the birthday boy or birthday girl <laughs> you're the one that gets treated uh, this is one of the reasons actually why we uh, don't want to uh, tell anyone when, actually, when, when it's our birthday <laughs> because we know uh, we are the ones actually who need, need to pay we need to invite we need to give everyone a treat I don't know actually for for what reason because uh, you're already punished by by being older one year. So why do you also need to pay for anyone else? Yeah, but but it's true. Exactly. That's that's a German tradition. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, you're also this. expected to bring your own cake apparently. <laughs> uh, and I remember like what was it uh, when I celebrated my first birthday over there? Everybody was expecting me to pay for the first round, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I already brought the cake and it's my birthday, and <laughs> you guys are all being very mean right now. <laughs> so if if this is really the segment of true or false i can confirm that this is true and you haven't been uh, tricked by your fellow students Uh, they were absolutely honest with you and just exposing you to the german culture very good good (laughs) to know (laughs) okay here's my question for you um about true and false okay here it comes germany has the highest beer consumption per capita worldwide is that true or is it false I would say that's false. Oh, come on. We all know <laughs> that Germans love to drink beer. You can't be can't be sincere with your answer. Why do you think it's false? Because my I, I know the answer to this one actually. Uh, 
And it's because my wife's or my ex-wife's cousin is half Irish and half German. Uh-huh. And he used to brag that he would have the two highest beer consumption nations as part of his genetics. Okay. And it turns out Ireland uh, just snubs Germany by a bit. Um, maybe in previous years when when oh. you spoke to him, but um, uh, Ireland is not um, uh, above uh, Germany in, in this oh. ranking. Maybe okay. in terms of uh, other uh, liquors, but, but not in terms of beer. So beer consumption, um, Germany is not number one, that's true. Um, I expect Germany to be number two, but it turns out uh, in the latest uh, ranking, Germany uh, has fallen back to um, number four. Do you know uh, which one is number uh, number one? Number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not Ireland. It's not Ireland. That's interesting. Uh, is it a European nation? It is. It is. Uh, let's go with the English. No. 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 Huh. Okay, I'll reveal it to you. It's the Czech Republic. The Czech Republic. The country where actually Pilsen was invented, so the beer uh, Pils that you can also enjoy in in Germany, and they drink a staggering 143 liters per annum per capita um, in average. And uh, so you have to minus uh, those who are not drinking alcohol yet, but I don't know exactly at what age they start. Um, In previous years, uh, Germany was was in second place, but um, beer uh, apparently... Um, uh, beer consumption has dropped uh, in the last couple of years. Um, second place is now Namibia. Oh, I had no idea. Namibia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that beer is so popular over there. Um, third place um, occupied by Austria, 106 litres, and then only comes Germany with 104 litres. Oh, wow. Ah, quite interesting, interesting, right? Yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks that uh, Germany drinks so much beer, but uh, we are not anymore... Uh, I think uh, we, we've never been the number one. It was always uh, Czech Republic. So, uh, and they are they are heading, uh, they are leading quite ahead of the rest of the pack. Okay. Do you have another question for me? Uh, yes, I do. All right. So we know that it rains a lot here in Malaysia, but sometimes it also rains quite a fair bit in Germany. And if you're driving and you splash up a puddle, mm-hmm. can you get fined? <laughs> I have never been fined for this, and um, but I know that uh, Germany is a little bit like Singapore, a fine nation. Uh, we like to put fines on any kind of um, rude behavior, um, specifically. So I could imagine that if you drive uh, intentionally through um, yes. a puddle where there are pedestrians next door, uh, next Very standing good. next to it. Uh, and you uh, uh, and it's clear that you did it on purpose, then you could be fined for it. That is very true, Brian. Yes, you can actually. I think uh, that was actually taught to me doing my driving test in Germany. Okay. And the driving uh, teacher specifically told me, if you see pedestrians, try to avoid them as much as possible. Of course, you want to avoid pedestrians, but if you mm-hmm. see them next to a puddle, please do not drive into it because they could actually report you to the police. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. This has not been uh, taught uh, uh, to me actually during um, during my driving uh, uh, test uh, or before during the education. Um, yes, uh, but it's so lovely that actually it, uh, this rule doesn't apply to Malaysia. So here you can <laughs> try to get pedestrians as wet as possible. The only uh, problem is actually that there are not so many pedestrians actually in, in Malaysia on the road, especially when it's raining <laughs> this heavily, isn't it? 
I think the joke in Malaysia is that if you see a pedestrian on the road, you actually go faster. Fantastic. Speaking about, this is the topic that that we're going to tap into, uh, look into uh, next week when we talk about uh, safety in, in, in Germany and also in traffic. But uh, this uh, is supposed to be a cliffhanger now, right at this this point. Okay. Uh, my question, my last question for you for today. Um, which is also linked to, to quite an interesting story, if it's true, let's see. Um, the bicycle. The bicycle is a German invention and it was invented because of the eruption of a volcano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Uh, is that true or false? Or Exactly. Is that true or false? It's a German invention, but there are no volcanoes in Germany for not from what I know of. I know that Germany can be prone to earthquakes, but that's more towards the th- southern region of Germany. Mm-hmm. So where would a German be? Where would the closest volcano be? I know Iceland has a few. I would... So- it just seems so much like something a German would do, though, to get away. <laughs> uh, I would say I would say it's true. Okay. And, and your take on the story is now that there's a volcano eruption and somebody says, my goodness, we need to get away from this eruption. We need to invent something to get away as fast as possible now. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like... I know Germans are very... Uh, they have quite a fair bit of ingenuity about mm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if you can actually make a bicycle <laughs> that quickly. It doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, actually, now that you pointed out, I think I'm going to say false. Oh my goodness! I tricked you now in, in, <laughs> into the wrong uh, answer. So, so the the correct answer to this uh, is it's true. I, I, it sounds very bizarre, actually, how uh, the invention of a bicycle can be linked to a volcano. But here's the story, and I think it's a, it's a, just a beautiful story. So, the bicycle was invented in um, 1817 by uh, Baron Karl von Dreis in uh, the beautiful city of Karlsruhe. And um, it is actually linked to, to this region, to Southeast Asia. In, uh, on the 15th of July, 1815, um, the volcano of Tambora, which is uh, on the island uh, of uh, Sumbawa, um, east of Lombok, erupted. And this eruption was so severe and so huge that um, it led to a, a huge drought also in, in uh, Europe. And as a consequence, um, in Germany... Um, since uh, the harvest was not enough actually to feed all the people, um, eventually um, the horses also had to be slaughtered in the, the following year, in 1816. Um, and uh, so the, the main mean of transportation was lost all of a, all of a sudden. And whenever there's some, um, some demand, somebody has to come up with a good solution for it. And this is why Baron Karl von Dreis um, invented the bicycle, which um, uh, maybe we can also put a picture of, uh, of uh, this first bicycle in the show notes. Um, it looks very much like, like a horse, uh, but just with a wheel. So there's a saddle in it. It's, it's quite uh-huh. long. You're, you're more, a little bit lying on it and... Um, so the steering bar is is way to to the back, which uh, uh, actually depicts a little bit like uh, like riding um, a horse. So it's true, yes. It's it, and it's linked to Southeast Asia. It's it's quite quite amazing. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you have another question for me? True or false? Uh, true or false? Yes, Brian. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that you do get pulled over by the police. Mm-hmm. And you say to the police person, uh, you, can you get fined? 
If I say to the police, you. Yes, if you get, uh, if you address them as you. Oh, okay. This needs a little bit of explanation for someone who's uh, who's not <laughs> familiar. Because why should you say you to to someone? Um, so we have the formal and the informal addressing in 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 Germany. Um, the formal addressing is Sie, and the informal addressing is Du. And um, so if you are so uh, bold to uh, address a policeman informally, could you get fined? That's you know, that's a good question. Um, I, th I think that's uh, that's true. As I mentioned before, Germany is a fine state, and uh, a lot of uh, fines out there if you don't behave yes. correctly and if you don't show the proper respect uh, towards a policeman, uh, which is by addressing him informally, uh, then you could be fined for it. That is so very correct. true, yes. You're supposed uh -huh. to address the policeman in a respectable manner. And mm -hmm. as a foreigner in Germany, you have to know, as Brian stated previously, there are two forms of the word you. So there's an informal you, which is do, which you use amongst friends and colleagues and people who are close to you. And there's the Z. So Z is something that you use as a sign of respect. Um, mm -hmm. Even in uh, emails or even in letters to people who you don't know yet, uh, you can always use the term Z. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 absolutely. You can insult uh, um, um, uh, a policeman, apparently. Now, I, I recall actually about this, this uh, you, uh, du und uh, sie in Germany, um, but I don't want to go into profanities here uh, in this podcast. I think <laughs> otherwise we would need to... Um, um, uh, we need to blend it out uh, or to beep it out. Uh, so you can say uh, sie... Uh, ah, and I don't want to continue the sentence now, um, and that would be fine uh, because that would be actually your personal opinion. Uh, but if you say do ah uh, something, um, then you can be fine because that's uh, something you did intentionally by uh, um, not respecting uh, the, the formal addressings. <laughs> that's also yeah. uh, a bizarre twist of of the law here at this point. I'd say, fantastic. Okay. Good. So, um, um, did I already ask you three questions? And you already asked me yes, three you questions. Did. True, false. Oh, okay. I think so yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, no, no. You started. Um, so there's one more left. Yes, yes. From my side, I only asked you two so far. So here's the last one. For true or false, Germany is the European champion of inventions. Is that true or false? The European champion of inventions. Are we talking about the number of inventions or the impact that the inventions have? Oh, the impact is hard to measure. Um, so we're talking about the filing of international um, patent applications. Oof, that's an interesting one. I would say true. You would say true. And you're absolutely correct with your answer. Um, this is true. Um, European champion of inventions. So in 2019... Uh, China filed um, uh, 59,000 uh, international patent applications, the US uh, 58, Japan 53, and then we have a huge gap, Germany um, 19,353, which was a decline of minus 2%. So we need to make sure that we don't uh, go in the wrong direction with this. And then followed by uh, the Republic of Korea with 19,000 
85 and uh, compared to the previous year, uh, 2018, um, they increased uh, their uh, their filing of international patent applications by 12%. So we have oh, to be wow. very careful <laughs> not to be over overtaken by uh, Korea anytime soon. Fantastic. So Germany needs to keep up uh, its... Um, um, uh, ingenuity and um, its uh, output of um, inventions um, because uh, I also like to point out this um, we don't have any natural resources anymore that are worth uh, digging out of the ground so uh, Germany very much depends on its uh, brain juice and one um, um, aspect actually uh, to, to measure this is actually the output of uh, uh, patents and um, uh, the application for international patent applications as well as uh, patents in uh, in Europe. Okay, fantastic. It's that. Thank you very much. Uh, with this, um, we can conclude today's session. Once again, we came uh, to um, the end of our podcast. Uh, I would like to thank you all uh, for listening to us. And if you'd like to um, know more about um, study or research, uh, study and research in um, Germany, um, come and visit our website, which is daad-malaysia.org. And um, there you will find all um, information available at your fingertip, uh, just one click away um, to uh, get a better understanding of everything that is combined to study and research in Germany. And, and we also have regular um, information sessions for uh, doing your undergraduate studies in Germany, uh, your master's, uh, your PhD or postdoc. Um, so all this is available on our website, DAD minus Malaysia. Exactly. And if you, just to add on to what Brian said about our website, if you do wish to make any one-to-one -one appointments, uh, everything is can also all be done on our website. And with this, I would like to thank you very much and hope to see you soon, hear you soon. I don't know. <laughs> thank you to everybody listening in. And so, yeah, I hope uh, that you enjoyed today's session. Thank you. 